I preached a message last week on a lifestyle of thankfulness, and I thought it was kind of a basic message, and I've had more feedback about that message than any other message I've preached since we started the church. And I just want to say if ho- the holidays in particular are like difficult for you, or there's a, you know, some holidays are amazing and they're really hard for people at the same time. And if they're really hard for you, I want to encourage you to listen to that message. You can go to citylights.church and listen to that podcast of a lifestyle of thankfulness. And actually, it's probably good for all of us, but um, check that message out, especially if holidays are a hard uh, time for you. All right. Uh, we're we're uh, kicking off a new series today. And um, the title of the this, uh, of this series is called Prepare the Way. Um, as Joy kind of introduced um, here at the beginning of the service, we're, uh, we're celebrating Advent. And then, uh, again, a lot of you weren't in here at the beginning of the service, but how many grew up celebrating Advent? Okay, less than half of you, probably a quarter. I didn't grow up celebrating Advent. Jory uh, had this idea, like, to do something kind of traditional. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's, let's do it. Let's give it a try. And I kind of want to uh, kind of dovetail with the theme of Advent, this series a little bit. I'm going to loosely dovetail with it. You'll see here in a minute what I mean by that. But the title of our series is going to be Prepare the Way. Advent, of course, is, um, I'll just read the definition of Advent. The Advent is the arrival of a noble person, thing, or event. In the case of Christianity, Christians all over the world celebrate Advent as a time for preparing one's heart for Christmas, so the, the Christmas season, but also um, even before that, it was, it, was, it was looked at as preparing one's heart for the second coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus. And so it's actually had multiple layers of implications. There's, there's the, the literal coming of Jesus in Bethlehem, the first coming the preparing and the coming of Jesus in our heart daily, and then there's the future looking of Jesus coming back to this world to rule and reign, okay? And so um, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, there's different themes, and we're going to be kind of dovetailing a little bit with that. The the candle that Jory lit today was the hope candle or the prophecy candle. It's the the candle where the the prophecies that were spoken about Jesus before coming into this world and what he would be like. Uh, Next week will be peace, the week after that will be joy, and last week will be love, and we'll do something really cool that, that Sunday. And so, again, I'm going to kind of loosely be dovetailing with that. Um, but the title of today's message is called Healing from Our Yesterday, Hope for Our Tomorrow. I felt like the Lord, especially in this Christmas holiday season, wanted me to focus on healing from our yesterday so that we can step into the hope of tomorrow. Throughout the Bible you can see that God has shown that becoming a mature believer involves a process. Like there's a, there's a healing from our past that we have to experience before we can walk into the freedom that God has for us today, okay? There's, there's actually an order to things. Now, when you get saved, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, the moment a person says, yes, I, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, I give my life to you, come into my heart, forgive my sins. The moment that happens, God comes into your heart, he forgives your sins, he washes them away, and you are heaven bound from that moment forward. Amen? And that's good news. Um, But, so salvation happens in a moment. And many times you just get free from things in a moment. Like there's stuff going on in your life. Many times in that moment, you give your life to Jesus, many times things just fall off you instantly. But typically, salvation, um, after salvation, growing in discipleship and growing into being a mature believer involves a process. Everybody say process. We're all in some sort, every one of you, no matter how young you are, to how old you are, to what you've accomplished or haven't accomplished in life, all of us are in somewhat of a process with God, okay? 
God has his leadership in our lives. He's leading all of us. We're all in a process. Um, so discipleship is a never-ending journey. Discipleship is a lifelong journey. We never graduate from following Jesus and, and, and navigating after him. It's a lifelong journey. I want to um, illustrate this with a couple scriptures um, that, that we need to be healed from our past in order to move into the maturity. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23. I just want to say, first of all, uh, Paul here, he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. He says this. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. The implication is that maybe you can't be holy in every way. Or, I'm sorry, that you are not holy in every way. Uh, May the God of peace make you holy in every way and make your whole spirit, soul, and body to be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Okay? So, again, when when you receive Jesus, the part of you that is saved... Um, is your spirit man, okay? Your spirit man is saved, complete, whole, and, and actually I will say this, perfect. Your spirit, when you receive Jesus before the eyes of God, is actually perfect. And I could give you scriptures to, to back that up and support that, but I could, let's have everyone say that as an exercise. My spirit, My spirit is, perfect. is perfect. By the way, if you're not a Christian, you can't say that. But if you are a Christian, <laughs> your spirit is perfect. The, minute you, the moment you, you invite Jesus in, he comes in, and he, he makes you a brand new creation in Christ Jesus, okay? In other words, your spirit comes alive. Your spirit comes alive at salvation. I heard this quote this week. Jesus didn't come to make, to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. Amen? Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. We were dead spiritually, separated from him without hope, we were a lost cause. But he came, he saved us, he made our spirit man come alive, okay? When you get saved, your spirit comes alive. So what about the soul that we just read, that we are three-part beings? We are body, we are soul, we are spirit. What about the soul? The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, okay? Your soul is being saved. So your spirit is saved, your soul is in the process of being saved. And your body, your physical body, will be saved. You will get a new body someday in heaven. Despite what some people think, we're not just going to float around heaven as mystical spirits. You know what I mean? You're actually going to live in a physical body forever. There's always God's plan for you to live in a physical body. Okay? So, um, but our soul is in a process. Um, our soul is in a process. And so when I say we're in a process, that's what I'm talking about. This is the realm of the soul. Our minds, our will, and our emotions are in a process. Okay? Your mind is your intellect, your reasoning. How many know that your mind needs saved. It needs renewed. Amen? I know mine did when I gave my life to Jesus, and I've been on a path of renewing my mind ever since then, okay? Um, your will. How many of your will needs saved? Your will needs renewed. Your, or I'll say it this way, your wanter, right? I haven't been running as many races since the summer, and we had Thanksgiving, and my wanter has made me put on a couple pounds, so I gotta, I gotta get back to training here, you know? We all have a wanter, and our wanter needs saved, okay? Um, just because you want something, that means holy. All right. What about our emotions? Our emotions actually need saved too. Now, emotions aren't evil, emotions aren't bad, emotions are good and they're from God, but emotions can be misleading. Um, Emily went to a women's conference recently, and there's this, this quote that this lady said. She said, emotions are like raising children. You don't let them drive the car, but you also don't put them in the trunk. Okay. okay. Don't let them drive. You don't put them in the trunk. There's an, appro- <laughs> There's an appropriate place for 
children is in the back seat, right? <laughs> Not in the trunk. Don't let them drive. In other words, you don't ignore them, but you don't put them in charge either, okay? So your emotions, just like children, you don't ignore them. They're there, but you don't put them in charge, you know? Your emotions can be a good indicator of how you're doing, so that's okay to acknowledge them, but don't put them in charge. They will drive you off a cliff, okay? <laughs> just like kids. All right. So my point is this. It's, it's possible to be a believer and to still be immature. It's possible to be a, a believer and still need healing from your past, okay? Let me give you a, a couple script, or at least a scripture to illustrate that this is a healing process that God brought us into. Jesus um, quoted Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter four, verses 18 through 19. He says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Okay, how many know when you preach the gospel to the poor in spirit, that's how people get saved. We preach the gospel here every week. And when we give that invitation, people get saved. And, and actually, that's all you need to get saved, is have the gospel, believe, confess, and you are saved, amen? But he goes on. He has, he has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. How many have ever, have you ever had your heart broke? Right, either through life circumstance or broke, you know, someone dumped you, whatever. I've had my heart broke before. To proclaim liberty to the captives. I've been a captive before. And recovery of sight to the blind. I've been spiritually blind before. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is a picture of healing. God wants you to get saved and he wants to bring healing into your life. Verse 19. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord points to a future and a hope that God has for you. Okay? Notice that God doesn't just stop at salvation. If, he, if, his only, if his only plan for you was to get you saved and get you to heaven, he would have killed you. Like he would, He'd get you saved and he would kill you and he'd go to heaven, right? But he has a plan, purpose, and destiny for you here on earth as you're walking to be restored and to be whole and to be his hands and feet here on this earth, okay? And by the way, this is how as a church... We, we try to minister and how we want to encourage you as individuals to, when you minister to people, um, our strategy as a church, we, we, um, our, our, our strategy is encounter, empower, shine. We want to encounter God. We want to empower people. And we, we believe that happens primarily through family. And we want to shine. We want to shine his light and love in the world. And that, that is that proclamation of hope that verse 19 talked about to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, engaging and serving in our city, Okay. So notice there's a progression of freedom and maturity, okay? That's all I'm saying right now. So we're going to talk about healing from yesterday so that we can step into the hope of tomorrow. If, if you're a disciple, you're walking on a pathway of freedom. And I have noticed in my own life, along the way, there are times where God will bring something up. It's not me brings it up. You know, sometimes the devil brings up your past or whatever. Sometimes God will bring something to the surface because he wants you to deal with it because he wants you to get past it. Amen? Okay, and by the way, God doesn't bring things up to um, condemn us or to shame us. He brings stuff up to heal us, okay? And that's the difference between when God brings something up and the enemy brings something up. The, the enemy brings something up to bring condemnation and shame. God will bring something up to bring healing and wholeness to you, okay? Totally different. So before we move on, I want to, we're going to ask two questions. Freedom from what and freedom for what? Freedom, first one, freedom from what? Okay. Freedom, when I'm talking about freedom and healing in our lives, I'm talking about freedom from bondage. Okay. What does bondage look like? I'm going to give you five things that bondage looks like. There are more, but I'll give you five today. Um, number one, sin is bondage. 
okay? If you're stuck in in an impulsive or compulsive behavior that restricts you from living in the freedom God has for you, that's bondage, okay? If, uh, here's another one, fear. In a nutshell, fear is imagining a future without God in it. Okay, if you're stuck in fear, you're imagining a future without God's provision, without God being there, without hope, that's, that's fear, that's, that's bondage, okay? Uh, here's another one, regret. Regret is looking at your past without a sense of victory or value, okay? That's bondage. When you look at your past and you don't have a sense of victory or a value and see yourself as an overcomer and Jesus has overcome those things, that's bondage, okay? Here's another one, shame. Shame, maybe, maybe you know... God forgave you for something either you did or, you, or, or that was done to you, but maybe you're still carrying shame from something you did or something that was done to you. Okay, that's, that's bondage, okay? Guilt tells you something. Guilt tells you you did something wrong. Shame says there's something wrong with you, okay? Guilt says I've done something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. And shame is no good, okay? You don't want shame in your life. And by the way, shame actually entitles us when we let shame in our lives, when we let that rule and reign in our lives, shame actually entitles us to stay in the pit that we're in. Because trash doesn't deserve to be free, right? But sons and daughters deserve to be free, amen? This is why we need to know that we're sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. We're not trash, okay? So shame is no good. Here's another one, comparison. One of the most liberating things you will ever do is is embrace and step in who God created you to be. If you know who God created you to be, you'll never want to be anyone else. So comparison, comparison is no good. There are others. Unforgiveness is another form of bondage. So what I, I'm just kind of pointing these out to you and maybe something right now is hi, being highlighted to you in your life, okay? But here's a tip. Where do, where do you need healing? Where do we need healing in our lives? I'll ask this question. Where does it hurt? Many times, pain reveals your problem. You know, when I uh, go to the doctor and I hurt this arm or whatever, I don't go, can you fix my leg, you know? If you hurt this arm, that's where you're, you're going to need healing in that arm, okay? Many times, pain reveals the problem. It reveals where you maybe are in bondage or where you need healing, okay? So that's freedom from what? Freedom for what? This is what God wants for you. Freedom for what? He wants you to experience freedom, and an unbroken fellowship relationship with him every single day. He wants you to experience freedom. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did he set us free? For freedom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's really good. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burned again with the yoke of slavery. Okay, in that context, it's talking about don't come back under the law, but anything in our lives. Don't come back under the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that God has set you free. Okay, so how do we get healed? And today, what I want to hone in and focus on, more than likely, God is going to use people to bring healing to your life, okay? I'll give you an illustration. Our bodies were designed to heal themselves. It's amazing. Our bodies were designed to heal yourself. If your body wouldn't heal itself the first time you got cut you would die. <laughs> you would actually, like a little cut would actually kill you. If you didn't have an immune system and the coagulation cascade of your blood didn't work, like you are wonderfully made in the image of God to like heal yourself and to not die. <laughs> you know, 
the body, but the body without my lungs, without my heart, without my stomach, without my immune system. I, I got a gouge here on my hand. A couple weeks ago, we were we were doing the outreach at the District Six schools. We we bought lunch for the for District Six, and I was walking the door carrying a box, and there's this metal thing on the door, and I skinned my hand like it took a gouge out of my hand. And I knew it wasn't going to heal fast because it wasn't just a cut. It was a gouge. It's been like, this is like week number three now, you know. But it's healing. Had, had, had I haven't had my heart, my lungs, my immune system, like this would have killed me. The infection would have just taken over my body and killed me, okay. So the body heals itself, okay. This is the same way with the body of Christ. And the way God has designed it is that you are in a body. God has set you in a family of believers in a body. And we, it is designed in such a way that I bring healing to you, you bring healing to me, you bring healing to the person sitting next to you, okay? And so to help shed light on this, I want to talk about different perspectives of, perspectives of you that people have. In order to bring healing from others, I want to talk about four points of view of you, four vantage points. I didn't come up with these vantage points. Um, these have actually been in psychology since the early 1900s. It became really famous in the 1950s. But I think they really, if, if we get this today, it would really help us um, understand these points of view of us and how we can bring healing into our lives. Okay, so four points of view of you. Number one is called the arena, okay? This is your, your public life. This is what everyone sees. This is what I see. This is what you see, right? The public arena represents your public self. These are the things that both you and others know about you. I know, you know, and it's, it's, like, it's like the Facebook you, Okay. <laughs> You know, it's what you, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with the arena, but if this is the only uh, view that people have of your life, like this is a problem for you. I just want you to know that. Okay. If you spend any amount of time with me, you would, you would find out I like UFC. I like my, I love my wife and my kids and I like running and um, long romantic walks on the beach. (laughs) Uh, That's a joke. (laughs) I'm not against long romantic walks on the beach. But I like, I like hiking, you know, that kind of stuff. If you spend any amount of time with me, you, you would find that out. And that's kind of the public me. That's the things, you know, I post about on Facebook, whatever. Nothing wrong with this, but the arena. We all have an arena. We all have that um, outward public view of us, okay? All right, what's the next one? The next one is called the mask. The mask represents information about you that you know about yourself, but others don't know, okay? We all have something of a mask. We all have information about ourselves, that we know, but other people don't know, right? Also known as the facade, okay? The, the outward, you know, the inward thing that's going on that no one knows about. Now, what I want to say about this is, um, <clears throat> if, you have a, if you have a past, and God's forgiven you of some things, and it's under the blood of Jesus, and you're not stuck in it, and it's not causing you, you're not currently stuck in it, and it's not causing shame or guilt in your life, then there may be no reason to bring up the things that God's brought you through. Like, why dig up those old bones? Unless it brings glory to God, right? But if there's something in your past that you're, it's the shame and the guilt of it is keeping you stuck or you're currently struggling with it, then I want to I wanna encourage you and suggest you find someone that you trust and let that mask come off a little bit and say, hey, here's where I'm at, here's what I'm dealing with. Okay, now this is a little scary. You know, um, you know we don't always trust people well, but find that person you trust and say, hey, here's, here's what I'm dealing with, here's what I need help with, okay? Um, James chapter 5, 16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Okay, the body is meant to heal itself. 
the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love that that goes together. The prayer of a, par, uh, a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you're dealing with something, a sin or you're stuck in something or shame, something like that, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You need a righteous person in your life to pray for you. Amen? This last week, I, I watched a, a sermon by a, um, a megachurch pastor, um, Robert Morris, and I think he's in Texas. And he, was, he has a story that I'm going to play here in just a second about something that was behind the mask for him. And he took that, and it's a story about him taking off the mask and letting healing come in his life. So let's go ahead and play that video. I've told you before, I have this horrible past. Uh, I, I, I began drugs when I was very, about 14 years old. Same time uh, is when I uh, went into immorality. Uh, sexual immorality was um, horrible, horrible bondage for me. I got saved at 19, truly got saved, motel room. I didn't know anything though about deliverance. I didn't know about inner healing. I didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I started traveling and speaking in youth events. When I was 21 years old, I fell morally. I came out of ministry, got my life right with God, went through inner healing, went through deliverance, um, went to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm so high on not just getting people saved, but getting them healed and set free, uh, um, you know, empowered, things like that. Okay. But even though I got set free from that and walked completely free and have walked free since that time, never fallen again, I walked with shame for many, many years. I didn't even realize how bad it was until I started the church and the church started growing. I would walk into a restaurant and see people looking at me and feel completely overwhelmed with shame. Here's what I felt. If they only knew. If they only knew that you're just a fake. You're a phony. If they knew your past, they wouldn't come to church. If they just knew. And it was overwhelming, so much so, I told Debbie, I, I don't want to go out to eat. I don't want to go. I didn't want to go anywhere. Now, this is just a few years ago. Now, here's what I realized. I got a bondage. I'm not living in the freedom that Jesus died to give me. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear this. I was pastoring this church. Everything seemed to be going great. I'm tormented on the inside. So what did I do? Listen to what I did. Went to freedom ministry. I'm the pastor. I'm the one that started it. <laughs> and I sat down with one of our freedom ministry pastors and I'm sharing with him. And I said to him, I said, here's the problem. It happened after I was saved and in the ministry. If it happened before, I could, I could go on. It'd be okay. It's under the blood. But it's a, it happened after. It happened afterwards. And I remember saying this. It's under the blood. He said, wait a minute. Are you telling me that just the sins that you commit before you get saved are under the blood? And he said, and are you telling me that Jesus only takes away the shame of the sins we commit before we get saved? Listen, in that instance, I'm set free. Because you shall know the truth, and the truth makes you free.
guilty. Can I, can I say something real straight out to you? If your pastor needs freedom ministry, we all do. We all need it. We need to get free. We need to get free. We need to get free. And I'm telling you, Jesus died to set you free. All right, so what did, he, what did he do there? He took what was behind the mask, what was tormenting him, and he had someone in his life that he trusted, and he brought it out from behind the mask. Amen? The guy had passing a gigantic church for years and years and still struggling with shame from his past. Like, if it's possible for him, hello. It's possible for all of us, right? Okay, so mask is number two. Number three is blind spots. Blind spots represents information that others know about us, but we're not aware of or we're in denial about, okay? So there's the mask, which we know, other people don't know. There's the blind spots where other people know and we don't see it, okay? Now, I, I used to have blind spots. <laughs> but then I got married. And now I don't have any more blind spots. Isn't that great? So... You can skip this one if you get married. <laughs> now listen, uh, everybody has blind spots, okay? You have blind spots, I'm telling you. And the question is, you have them, do you trust someone to point them out? Now if I have cilantro in my teeth, I don't care who points it, anyone can point it out, you know? But if I have something embarrassing going on in my life, or I'm you know, behaving a certain way that's not good, I, I would hope someone who loves me and is a friend comes to me and says, bro, you are missing it here. You know what I mean? But I don't want a stranger to do that. I want someone who loves me to do that, all right? Proverbs 27, 6, it says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, okay? We, that's a good friend right there. Someone who will wound you for your good. I remember I had a guy coming to my ministry. I don't know if I've told this story before, a guy coming to my ministry, and he didn't wear enough deodorant. And so I said, hey, bro, the Bible says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kiss of an enemy are deceitful. Can I wound you? <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah, he looked really scared. Can I wound you? I was like, yeah, you need a little more deodorant, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, hey, that's a, good, that's a good friend right there, right? <laughs> Having a blind spot pointed out isn't very fun, but it's necessary, especially in the context of family. Like, let's do this. Let's, let's point out blind spots to each other in love, Right? It's scary, it's hard, it's confrontational, it's hard to hear, it's hard to do, but we need to do it. Okay, the last perspective of you is the potential. Okay, potential is this. I don't know, you don't know, only God knows. Okay, so there's a mask, there's things you know that other people don't know, there's, there's blind spots other people know that you're not aware of, and then there's, uh, well, what was the first one? Yeah, the arena, that every, the thing everyone knows. Okay, potential, I don't know it, no one else knows it, only God knows it. Um, in the case of healing from our yesterday so that we can step into the freedom that God has for us tomorrow, there could be things that are holding you back in, the, in that arena, okay? Um, it could be, now, there could be things about you, potential things about you, that are good. There could be gifts, talents that are yet undiscovered. But there are also things that sometimes we're not aware of that are holding us back. And, and there are things that other people in our lives aren't aware of that are holding us back. I'll give you an example of this. Uh, in August of 2016, I had a dream. And um, at this time, I'd been in ministry for 
um, about, I think about eight years. Yeah, eight years. And I have this dream, and in my, in my dream, um, I'm, work, I'm working at um, Church in Loveland as a young adults pastor. In this dream, um, I'm in my backyard. In my backyard, there's not a fence between me and the neighbor's house. Um, there's a couple neighbors, and Pastor Bill Klein, who's one of our overseers of this church, um, his, his yard, his backyard was um, like adjacent to mine, but there's no fence, so he can see into my backyard, okay? And in my yard, there's like rubbish, there's trash, and there's different things, and I'm like, in my dream, I'm super embarrassed about this. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm, yeah, we don't normally have this, and I'm like trying to move trash around, and, and he's like, you know, just sees in, you know? And so I wake up in the dream, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what's going on? And I felt like the Lord said, hey, I want you to let someone take a look into your inner life. You know, the, your backyard represents your inner life. The front yard represents what everyone sees. I want you to let someone take a look into your inner life. And at this time, I had no idea, like, what things I could be struggling with or I'm, whatever, what are hidden. Okay, so I call Pastor Bill. I'm like, okay, I think I have a problem. I don't have this dream. What do you think? He's like, uh, should we get together and do a sozo? And, and for those of you who don't know what sozo is, sozo is an inner healing ministry. There are other, t- how many have had a sozo? Some type of inner healing ministry in your life. Okay. It's, it's often really beneficial, really helpful. Okay. It's just inner healing. Um, by the way, the Greek word for sozo is saved, healed, delivered. So it's just a way to bring Holy Spirit in and shine light on things, lies primarily in our lives so we can walk in freedom. And so I schedule a sozo. It was August 18th of 2016. I have my first sozo and I go in, I have no, like, it's not like, this is what I'm dealing with, these are the problems. I'm like, I don't know, I'm just here, I'm trying to be obedient to God, because I felt like he said, someone needs to be able to look in. And we, through that so-so, I found out, like, I needed, a few, I needed to forgive a few people. I didn't realize there was a few people that I was holding resentment against that I hadn't forgiven, that, that came up. I didn't realize there was a couple things from my childhood that were dictating some of the behaviors that I had in the present, I had no idea about it, but God brought that to light in the sozo, and I got free from those things, renounced the lies, and was able to move forward. It was actually a super great, liberating thing for me. And then there were some other things that happened, and, and which I won't go into, but it was, again, it was, it was in the, the realm of, like, I didn't know it, no one else knew it, God knew it, and he wanted to bring it to light so that he could bring healing. Sometimes that will happen in your life. You don't even know that there's something that's holding you back, and it's literally dictating the way you're behaving and, and interacting with people, and you don't even know it, okay? Um, <clears throat> and that's called our potential area, okay? God wants to walk us into freedom. By the way, it was about five months after this that my wife and I decided to plant this church. And I don't know, like, maybe, maybe, like, he wanted to get us ready for this season. There were some things of the old season I had to let go of so he could get us ready for this season, okay? And... Uh, God will do that in your life. He will do that at times. He will bring up things that you're not even aware of. And my, my advice, my counsel to you is to let him, let him do that. Amen? <clears throat> Before I close, I want to I kind of uh, cast a little bit of vision for next year as a church. Um, and if I could, is there someone to come play something as we close here? That would be amazing. Thanks, Garrett. You're amazing. Let's give Garrett a hand. Um, I think that we're past the launch phase. I don't know. I don't know how long the launch phase lasts, like maybe a year. So we're coming up, we're past the launch phase of the church or we're, we're getting to be past that. A couple things I want to focus on, hone in on a little bit next year. Um, 
is, is a new, like a new believer's class. When I, when I want to work and hone in on a new believer's class, we've had like a lot of people give their hearts to Jesus, raise their hands and give their heart to Jesus in the church. I want to do a better job of stewarding those people. And so we're going to come up with a new believer's class. And I want to hone in a little bit more on um, inner healing ministry, this thing that we've been talking about and getting, getting healed, getting hold, not just getting people saved, but getting them discipled. Amen. Okay. And so, um, yeah, those are things that you can look forward to that we're going to be as a church. When you bring people here, and I want to encourage you to be an inviter, we, we give an invitation every week to come to Jesus. And I want you to know that we have a plan to bring them into freedom, not just get them saved, but get them discipled, okay? And so um, why don't you guys stand on your feet this morning? I'll, I'll conclude with this. I threw a lot out there, but here in a, nut, in a nutshell, I'll say this. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. All right. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. John chapter 8, 31 through 32 says this. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I'm going to pray and I'm gonna, I want everyone to ask this question. Holy Spirit, what lie am I believing? All right, Holy Spirit, what, if, if any lie, am I believing? And we're going to ask God to shine his light on this today. And there's going to be a new level of freedom. I, I know it for some people here, okay? So let's pray. Father, we, we love you. We thank you. You are a good father, Lord God, who loves to bring us into new levels of freedom, Lord God. I pray, God, for this church, for City Light Church, that we would... Um, be really good, God, at stewarding hearts and stewarding destinies and stewarding callings, Lord God, and bringing people not just into the doctrine of salvation, Lord God, but into freedom in Christ, Lord God, so that they could go into this world and shine the light and love of Jesus everywhere they go, Lord God. So I just, today, Lord God, if there's an area where maybe it's the area of your pain, you know where you're stuck at, maybe it's the area of unforgiveness, maybe it's an area of um, something that's holding you back, or maybe Holy Spirit is highlighting something right now that there's a lie you're believing and you're empowering the liar by that. So Lord, right now, we just I just speak freedom, God, over every individual here, Lord God. Would you show us those things we're believing? Would you shine truth on it, Lord God? In Jesus' name.